Hello everyone and welcome to our podcast, Ordinary Chats. My name's Greg. And I'm Janine. And together we are Mr and Mrs Robinson. We're delighted that you have chosen to come on this journey with us. We hope you'll really enjoy. We did a big thing as a family, as a couple. It was a huge life-changing event for us and we really think it can encourage others to take a leap of faith and do something extraordinary with your life. So we're excited to see what God does with this podcast as well. Well, what did we do then? We did a we did a really big thing. We did we? we did we just not a family from Yorkshire and in 2018 we decided to sell everything we owned and use that money to relocate to Uganda. And that's what we did. Whoa. <laughs> it was it was a huge thing. We thought we'd just take you through the journey of like why and how, how that all happened. I want to say first off that because this is all about encouraging other people that sometimes we feel we have to be in a perfect place to do something huge and big, <laughs> life changing and something different with our lives, even if it's that if it's changing jobs. But when God calls you to do something, you are probably not going to be in the most ideal circumstances and we were perfectly happy where we were in life weren't we yeah i think um if you wait for a perfect time to do anything you'll never do it because you can always put an an obstacle in your way for you not to do something always i think and what we did is we just knocked those over in a really short period of time and just did it anyway and i think that's the way to do anything Take that leap of faith. If you're going to do it, do it. Yeah. (laughs) That has to be your mantra, I think. Hey, sorry to interrupt. I hope you're enjoying listening. Just wanted to let you know that you can find out more about what we do in Uganda over on our social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok at Ordinary Hero UK. Now let's get back to the story. Uh, How did we end up in Uganda? Where did it all begin? It began with uh, with me. It's all my fault. <laughs> there you go. I've said it. I uh, I heard about a a group of people going out to Uganda um, to do some building work uh, to build a classroom to help build the class classroom. And I thought, yeah, I'd probably like to do that. But the strange thing is, that idea came from nowhere. Before that, I had no. <laughs> No feeling that I needed to go to Africa, and it, one I'm ginger, so it's all too hot for me, so, <laughs> and I burn in the sun and all the rest of it, and the, so it was a strange that that idea just kind of came. And six months later, I was there helping out in it the was middle really of Africa, as that. building a wall. Yeah, I held the fort at home with the children while you went to build. Yeah, it was just a two-week trip with the local church. Mm. And I always remember that feeling, that that look on your face when you came back. I just knew in my heart that this was the beginning of something bigger than a two-week trip. And you felt that too, didn't you? Yeah. So you went back. I did. We booked a flight ticket and you went back. I did. I think <gasps> when I came back in 2012, I, just, I think I just felt like my work there wasn't done. I felt like if I hadn't have gone... The classroom would have been built anyway with the people that were there. So, and and I also had a need to get out, and we weren't allowed out when <laughs> during the trip. Once we were back at the like a bed and breakfast place with a gated wall and a guard, 
once we were in there we weren't allowed out so we were just shipped from there to the school to build and then back yeah but for me it was I used to look out the window on the journey it took a few hours to get there and I used to think what is life like out there yeah but I had no idea because we weren't allowed to visit the market so visit the villages meet people so I did a really naughty thing one day <laughs> I got up early and I paid the guard to let me out the gate and told him I was going for a run that's so like you and that is what I did and at six in the morning I ran to the market and I saw all these people and I got to talk to all these people and and see what Uganda was really like and uh, and I think the one thing that I saw was things needed to be done that weren't get done there were there were people like the missionary trips were all about the schools and all about the churches no one was really about grassroots helping people so that's what I felt like I had to go back yeah and find out something that if I didn't go back and find it wouldn't get done mm. wanted to be where people weren't really that's the feeling that I got which yeah. Which and I, and I think, me back. I think they're the words that you said to me when you came back. You said, I need to be where people are not. That's where God wants me to be. And that's always stuck with me. And it's something that we're really passionate about, isn't it? Well, it, must have, yeah, it must have stuck with you because you bought me a ticket to go back the following year. <laughs> Maybe I just <laughs> wanted to get rid of you for a couple of weeks so I could start fishing the bed. So in 2013, I went back by myself. Um, not really knowing what I was getting myself into or in for. It's such a brave thing to do, go back on your own. I've never thought about that before, but you were just on your own, weren't you? Yeah. Wow. A conviction, I guess. I mean, I'd I'd left my young family behind and you behind, and it wasn't something we normally did, was it? So I don't know what, something inside me just told me I needed to go back and find something, and I was stuck actually when I got back in Kampala. I think I was stuck there for four days, um, just wandering around Kampala. And I stayed, met a guy called Brian. I stayed at his house, you remember? Yeah. Before I managed to get a lift up to Gulu, which is a full day's trip up north. Mm. And when I got to Gulu, I ended up staying, spending most of my time in an orphanage, uh, working and living there with, the, with, with 13 kids. And I remember we used to, most days I just got up and cleaned shoes and helped with getting uniforms ready for school and then off I'd go into town and have a coffee and get introduced to different people and just speak to people. And yeah. It was an amazing trip really, but it wasn't till the very end of that trip that uh, I met Pastor Doreen and, and that's another story, but she'd been trying to build a church with her own two hands really. She was a... a an older lady a widow and she'd been trying to build a church with her family for for years one brick at a time when Mm. she got some spare money she'd buy a brick and literally lay it (laughs) with a million children dancing around yeah and she fed me and we got chatting and i says what if we come back and and finish this church for you so that was the inspiration for the she was the inspiration for the 2014 which was my first ever build trip Hello, it's only me again. (laughs) We would love you to consider joining our Ordinary Hero support family and you can find out more on our website, ordinaryherouk.com. So you gathered some like-minded people together. Not not me, by the way. Came home, got a group of my (laughs) men. I just spoke about it, got a group of men 
together friends who wanted to come and help and we we went back and we uh i'd say we built pastor dory in a new church but her old church but we didn't we knocked her old church down and built her a brand new one which uh, which was an amazing two weeks we absolutely loved that trip and that's what i want that made sense to me yeah going out there and and doing something and then coming back and leaving it done made sense yeah so i did that every year every following year took a build trip out and built something yeah? yeah every year we seem to find another thing to build whether it be a kitchen long drop toilets medical centers which were all followed imagine yeah. all followed that just initial feeling to go back and do something yeah yeah when i look back now and talk about it it's quite it sort of brings it all back yeah mm. it's mm. quite amazing really mm. isn't it when you weren't in africa for those two weeks year on year what did it look like what was your life like how did you feel when you were away from away Africa? from away from africa yeah because you spent a lot of time fundraising like the 50 weeks you were that you were back in the uk and two weeks out in africa but those 50 weeks i just remember doing like so much fundraising and just thoroughly enjoying that part of it as well and I have to say at this point in time I had no desire to go to Africa at all no desire there for me to go to Africa well I don't think I had a desire to uplift and take and drag you all out there with me it was working as a a two-week trip and a the rest of the year fundraising for that and talking about it and getting people to come alongside me and, and go and do it. Yeah. And I was happy with that, but gradually that started to take over, I think. And you must have seen that. Yeah. It took longer and longer to fundraise and the organising, trying to organise and building things in Uganda from here became harder and harder. Um, red tape and jumping through hoops and everything else from this side but it wasn't easy, so it got more and more... I was thinking about him more and more and trying to do a, a, a job as a building site manager as well as what I was doing in Africa. The two things were starting to merge and then the Africa thing started to take over, which I think is when I thought maybe we need to rethink this and either pack it all in and leave it to someone else or go out there and do it full time instead of this part time thing that I was doing. Mm. I didn't want to stop. And I'll tell you why I didn't want to stop because I made a promise in 2013 to 13 kids that. <laughs> <laughs> and this is so emotional. And it hits us, doesn't it, when we talk about things? It just it gets us. Um, and that's when we know from the Holy Spirit that we're doing the right thing and that we are convicted to carry on doing what we what we are doing. Can you talk now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's mad though, isn't it? How it just gets you like that. Yeah. How the emotion just washes over you like that is. So this is actually, this podcast is probably good therapy for me as well. <laughs> Go on. You made a promise. Oh dear. <laughs> We're back. I made a promise to these 13 kids that, that I wouldn't be a shooting star, I think is how I said it to them. Shooting stars are amazing and amazing to see. But they come and they go, and then once they're gone, that's it. I want it to be a lot more. I want it to be a constant. Yeah. Uh, a constant in their lives, really. So I promised them that I would be. They see so many people come, do amazing things, and then leave, and they mm. never see them again. And I didn't want to be that. 
I don't want to be that person, I don't think. Looking back now, I mean, oh, those kids, when I first met them, they were just tiny kids, and some of them now, I still see all, all 13 of them, and some of them are bigger than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, it's been an absolute honour and pleasure to, to watch them grow up, really. Yeah. And that, that's one of the things I think I love about them, really. going back and being there. Thanks for listening to part one of our first ever podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening and we hope you'll join us again for part two.